In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. So then you'd have to call your wife and say, honey, I'm thinking about looking at porn before you do it if you were under spiritual authority. Well, if you call your pastor and you call your wife and you get permission from both of them, okay. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we, we salute, salute you. you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, and I'm here with my co-host, good friend Dale Culver. How you doing, my man? I'm doing good, buddy. Hey, man, we're a little short on time today, so we're going to jump into this thing full throttle. I'm really excited about today's guest. He has virtually been on every talk show you can imagine, including Oprah, Montel Williams, Dr. Phil. He's an expert on sex addiction, intimacy, and marriage health. And uh, I'm going to bring him on real quick, but let me tell you a little bit more about Dr. Doug Weiss or Weiss. Weiss, huh? Weiss, okay. He's 57 years old. He lives in Colorado Springs, Colorado with his beautiful wife of 33 years, Lisa. Doug is the executive director of Heart to Heart Counseling Center, where they offer licensed counselors, support groups, and intensive workshops. He's also the president of the American Association of Sex Addiction Therapy and has been a frequent guest on national television shows. And I'm just listing a few of these guys, Oprah, Dr. Phil, Fox News 2020, and Good Morning America. He's authored, uh, from my count, on his website, over two dozen books on marriage, sex edition, and self-help topics, including our book for today titled Clean, A Proven Plan for Men Committed to Sexual Purity. That is our topic for today. And uh, Doug, thank you so much for coming on our show. Well, you're welcome. It's good to be here, Jim. Hi, Dale. Hey, man. We're, yeah. And then, yeah, he got me right. I'm Jim and that's Dale. Yeah. A lot of times <laughs> they get that confused. So, <laughs> so we're going to just jump right in and just ask you the first question. Just give us a little bit of a uh, insight into your story and your life. So tell us a little bit more about yourself as it pertains to this book. Sure. Well, I mean, I was conceived in adultery. I was abandoned by my parents, yeah. put in foster homes, sexually abused, sexually addicted, alcoholic, drug addict, all of that kind of stuff. And then I uh, came to Christ at 19. And then um, alcohol and drugs left instantly. Sex addiction stayed. Went to Bible school. It's real interesting to be a Bible school student as a sex addict. And uh, went to seminary, started to get free. I've been free from sexual addiction behaviors for over 30 Three, 34 years, there's a polygraph in my office here that verifies that because I'm not one of those people who says, says that. Yeah, true. yeah. Are, you know, I'm not that person. 
And so, uh, you know, we've been writing books since the early 90s and we've been on everything from, you know, Phil Donahue to Oprah. So um, the clean, this book was really because I'm over here trying to get the church to understand that there is such a thing as porn addiction and sex addiction. Now, this is 30 years ago. Yeah. This was before, this was before you had a cell phone. Yeah. It's before the Internet. OK. And so they were like, no, 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 it's not really a big deal in the church, even though half the men are sexually addicted. It was not a big deal. Um, so we needed to come up with some way of communicating to pastors in the church that sexual purity is an issue, that every guy needs to have some tool to deal with it in this society that is now uh, with pornography with six-year-olds, you know, on their cell phone. Yeah. You know, we're, we're in a different field of battle right now. And so Clean was really an equipping for the church to get men to be free. And just so your audience knows, I mean, we have five hours of this training of clean topics for absolutely free. It's drdougweiss.com slash class. And uh, they can watch five hours of this. Our goal is to have a million men watch this free video to get sexually clean and pure because a lot of guys won't go to purity conferences. Hey, we're having a, a conference on sexual purity. Come on out if you're dirty, you know, and <laughs> it, it's just hard to get guys to do that. So what we found is avoid the whole thing, put it on, a, put it on their cell phone. They can watch it, get the ideas like the Holy hologram, get the ideas about spiritual authority and integrate them and have a changed life. And we've had many, many tens of thousands of guys already hit it. Well, I love how you've you've coined some phrases: uh, intimacy, anorexia, brain dar, holy uh, hologram. You've got some great phrases in there that you've quoted and coined. One of them, you said earlier that this is a battle, and and mm -hmm. and you you use the phrase "dirty war." In your book, mm -hmm. and on page five, you said this about that. You said, our culture needs men committed to win this war today more than ever, and my prayer is that you would answer this call for those you love and who trust you to be a man of God. Mm -hmm. So what is the call that you're wanting men to answer? Well, the call is to sexual purity because it's the key to spiritual revival. America needs a spiritual revival. And Jack, Jack Hayford at the beginning of the book wrote a, uh, a note about that and saying, if you understand these principles, it could bring a revival to you personally, to your church, to your community, and hopefully to America. I believe that. I believe that the sexual recovery movement is the key to revival because every man who gets sexually free has a personal revival and stays spiritually healthy and goes and does the ministry of Christ that he's called to do, whatever that is. Yeah. And is better dad, better, better husband. And I want that for every man to be free, but we've got to fight for it. No, I agree. And it is a dirty war. I, I mean, my phone, my computer, my app, my laptop or my iPad, everything that we have in our organization, we mandate guys to be on covenant eyes. Absolutely. Yep. You know, and, I love and uh, my polygraph probably wouldn't show what yours is showing, but man, we're fighting the battle. But here's what mm -hmm. I do know. And you said this on page 21 and you just alluded to it. You said there is a direct correlation between your sexual behavior and your destiny in Christ. I thought that was so powerful. And then on page yeah. 51, you said sin can be fertilized by repeating porn, masturbation. I love how you throw that word masturbation out there. Like, it's just out there. Secret, mm -hmm. sexual chatting, texting, or cheating. You fertilize lust and sin. I love how you hold nothing back, uh, Doug. Will you explain this fertilization of our secret sins and how it affects negatively our destiny in Christ? Well, James 1.15 uh, talks about first lust, then sin, then death. And that's a, that's a seed, a tree, and the fruit of the tree. 
Okay, so it just takes time and watering and you're guaranteed those results, whether you're saved or not. If you water lust, you are guaranteed destruction in your life. Guaranteed, because God never violates the principle of the seed, never has, never will. Okay, now how it's connected to your spiritual authority, that's Revelations 2, 20 to the end. And it talks about Jezebel and overcoming that, that spirit of sexual duplicity that you can do what you want sexually. When you overcome that, it says, I will give you authority over the nation. Not I'll think about it, not based on your personality, not based on your gift set or whether you have hair or not. <laughs> it's going to be, you stay free, I will give you authority. Okay? That's a guarantee from, from, the, from Jesus, the post-resurrected Jesus. This isn't the Jesus walking around in an earthly form, the lamb who's going to be sacrificed. This is the king of glory yeah. who says, if you, if you stay away from this, I will give you authority over nations. And it's true. No matter where I go, guys get set free. We have stuff all over the world. And it's, I've seen guys multiply in business, multiply in ministry, multiply in uh, the miraculous happening in their life. I, I love what you said. You said whether you are saved or not. And one of the things I tell guys, because we like to define manhood and maleness as different. You know, they're different. A man is as a man does. But what, what you address is, you know, we've seen so many Christian men that have been horrible humans and so many non-Christian men who have been wonderful humans. And so mm-hmm. I love how you designate those two, because the bottom line is we can, we can fulfill our destiny in Christ, or we can be a perpetuator of pain, is what you called it. And Absolutely. on page 53, you list four of those, uh, four of those warning markers for a man who is um, a perpetuator of pain. Do you want me to go through those with you? And yeah, so the first one you said, it's a man who never committed to be clean in the first place. A man, mm-hmm. number two, who has no plan. Number three, a man who has no boundaries. We call those guardrails. And mm-hmm. number four, a man who is not honest or accountable. Which of those four really have you seen as a, a, the, the most dramatic effect? Well, I think the first one is the most prevalent. That's ah. why it's the most dangerous. Ignorance is not helpful in war. <laughs> yeah. It, it might be helpful in college or in other a couple environments, ignorance might be okay. But in war, ignorance is not okay. So when you decide that you're not gonna have a plan to fight a, a war that the enemy's declared on you and your family, you're the most dangerous man alive because mm. you're going to be tempted re- repeatedly from different directions and different angles at different times in your life to fail so that the enemy can access your family members and come in and, and just create havoc in your life and forfeit the destiny of salvations and freedoms you were created to, to have to give to the King of Kings during your period in time. And not only that, but we pass on the negative herit- heritage of sexual Absolutely. addiction to our children. But you, you said something, uh, Doug, that in this book, uh, I'm still processing this book. I'm going to do a couple equipping episodes out of this book that I thought were so powerful. But the most powerful statement in the whole book for me personally mm-hmm. was on page 47. And you said, and you talked about that just now. You said, uh, in war, ignorance is not okay. Right. And we have an enemy, right? On page 47, you said, and this is so good, your protective gear is either facing the enemy or facing the ones you love. And then on page 63, you continued, and you said, I find that when men add a layer of consequences, especially those who have struggled in the past, it keeps their weapons facing the enemy. And then later on page 93, you said, the easiest prey for our enemy is a man who is not honest or accountable. In other words, 
He is alone. This is so powerful, but this picture of me facing my family with these weapons of that, that can kill and maim versus oh, facing the enemy. Will you explain that uh, in greater detail? So powerful. I can actually explain it. Since that book, uh, this last month, we have a book called Partner Betrayal Trauma, which 140 ladies or so did research on the effects of porn addiction, uh, infidelity, and intimacy anorexia. Just on the wife, 60% have post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, I think it's like 80% of depression, lower self-esteem, weight issues. I mean, I can go on and on and on. That is, that is statistically measured impact on a woman who, for a man who's dropped his sword. Okay? When you enter this battle and you, and you fail, your children suffer. I wrote a book called Beyond the Bedroom, which is the consequences for adult children of, of sex addicts. Has lots of statistics on there and how it affects them. There are statistical proof that when you fail, others pay. Well, Does that make we, sense? Yeah. Well, we our motto, our mantra is when a man gets it, everyone wins. Conversely, everyone. when a man doesn't get it, everyone loses. Now, you said something that I I slightly disagree with, so I'm going to share it with it. You said okay. you said he has dropped his sword. And I, I would say, based on your book, he didn't drop it. He just swung it at his family. Yeah, either way. Yeah. yeah it's and, both, well, it's kind of like he dropped it towards the enemy and turned around and just slashed his family. Well, yeah. And, and uh, you know, and on page 72 of your book, you talk about the effect of sexual sins on our wives. You know, the mm-hmm. Bible says the glory of man is his wife. And and I, I, I look at these women. I was just telling my wife last night, man, you're so beautiful. I love you. I'm so thankful that I have a wife that that is beautiful and glowing and takes care of herself. And I think a lot of that is, is a compliment to me, right? Absolutely. As a man Absolutely. who's battling, I say I tr- mostly try to battle with my weapons to the enemy, right? But, but this mm-hmm. is so, can you walk us through uh, why this happens to women when their men are, uh, you, call the, you call them dirty? Why, why, why is it so negative and traumatic for women? Well, because when you get married, you're one. So the poison you drink, the symptoms she feels, whether she knows you're drinking the poison or not, her depression, uh, the self-esteem. Also, when you drink poison, you stay immature. So a lot of guys who struggle stay about 14 to 15 years old. So she keeps trying to be in a relationship with a man who's actually 14 years old. So the pain of that alone is huge. We actually have a conference coming up in October called Create because we have women fly from all over the country here and... Uh, whose husbands are dealing porn, masturbation, infidelity, sex addiction. And these women get a lot of tools to start healing themselves because the trauma that they've experienced oftentimes is overlooked like, well, you know, he really has the problem and honey, you just go, go home and cook pies and you'll be fine. But it's not that simple. She's been hit by a car. Yes. Yes. And by the man who said, I will love, honor and cherish you. So she has no defenses towards the man because they're one. And then he's the one with the bullets shooting her up so it's not like she's in any kind of protective mode so the multiple facets that that impacts a woman uh, i've been doing it for 30 years i've written more for spouses of sex addicts than any person including women alive and uh, that's real pain over there and i've seen their tears i've seen them hit with a lightning bolt when i tell them that their husband just failed a polygraph and no it wasn't just pornography yeah yeah Wow. Well, you, you, you know, you talked about the polygraph test, but you also talk about in your book about the holy hologram. And in the context of the book, it was mm-hmm. about a woman who's, 
you know, a man is lusting after, that she has the sense that he's lusting after her and feels dirty. But what about the woman, the wife? When the husband is engaged in these sexual improprieties, does she is she completely blindsided, or does she, generally speaking, go, you know, I knew there was something wrong? I would say that's probably 50-50. Really? Because, we're, yeah, we're talking about Christian guys who present really well, who are deacons, Sunday school leaders, pastors, missionaries, and uh, just good church guys who have a secret life. So when they got married at 19 to 25 years old, you know, the, the addiction in his life was very small. She couldn't smell it, didn't, didn't sense it, and wanted to believe the best. And then, you know, 15, 20 years later, she finds out that most of her marriages had the secret cancer in it. Uh, it's mostly a blindside thing. Sometimes there, there's this growing intuition that he's something's wrong. But honestly, they tend to marry very pure-hearted women who would never guess that that would be an option. Because for them, it's personally not. Yeah, I've had to tell my wife, honey, you need to password protect your devices because you need to password protect your man. And she is like, whoa, whoa, what? I go, hey, I'm, you need to help me to be pure for you because right. this is a potential landmine. You, you said just now, you just now said this, Doug, you said 15 or 20 years later. So in your book, in the intro, actually, you wrote, I see men who have allowed their lives to spiral out of control as they hit rock bottom. They become desperate for help. I also see brokenhearted women shocked at what they have just learned about their men they married, blinded by the secret sexual betrayal. These ladies then wonder how they will survive. Do you see this uh, this uh, blindsided, uh, destructive behavior come out 15 to 20 years down the road. What, oh, yeah. When is this, when are you seeing this manifest say, in, in public sin? Okay. So we have, we have lust, sin and death. Yes. Okay. So lust is a seed. And usually that's, that can incubate for a decade or two or even longer before it moves into sin with other, other people or other behaviors. And then the fruits usually in another 10 or 15 years. So it's, it's a long growing, very steady seed, but the, the again, when this comes out to the light with her, it is it's nothing short of trauma. I mean, it literally is PTSD stuff. And you know, you know, I I think of First Peter five eight. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking for someone to devour. Well, what does he prowl around? He prowls around. If you know anything about predators, looking for strays, mm-hmm. looking for weakness, and and, and uh, he's he's wanting to pounce and and. Um, when he does, there's destruction. It's destructive. It, you know, chapter five in your book, what a weird title of a chapter. I thought it was really interesting. U, the letter U plus P equals D. Uh, and I'm going to let you unpack that in a second. But to describe that, you said fire is the best analogy for men who engage in ongoing and unchecked lust, fantasy, pornography, masturbation, other sexual behaviors that are not rela- relational with their wives. Can you unpack? Will you unpack this U plus P equals D? Because as we think about our enemy prowling around like a roaring lion, as we think about turning our weapons from the enemy to our families, I think this U plus P equals D is an equation we really have to sink our teeth into. Absolutely. Well, it, you you being the man, and you add pornography to your life. It's guaranteed destruction. Again, mm. that's lust and death. Lust and death is a guarantee. It's the word of God. And yeah. Christians think, I can lust because I'm not touching somebody, so I'm, I'm keeping the law. But they don't understand. We are fancy dirt. Remember, Adam was made out of dirt. 
Okay, we're fancy dirt. Lust is a seed. You plant lust, you harvest sin and death. Okay, and so a lot of Christians are like, well, you know, I'm just checking her out. I'm not really, I'm not going to get her number. I'm not going to touch her. I'm not going to talk to her. But if you keep doing that kind of behavior, you find yourself vulnerable to someone who does want to talk back to you and use you and hurt you and destroy your life. And then that becomes really dangerous. Yeah, the enemy comes to kill or steal, kill, and destroy. And that destructive behavior is what we're really working for. You know, so the enemy's not some guy with a pitchfork, he's some girl with some tight outfit on. (laughs) Yeah. He's not dressed in a pitchfork. And so guys are looking for the wrong enemy. They're looking for some guy in a costume who's like, hey, I'm Satan. No, he's not that. He 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 is going to be that person who's sexually broken, abandoned, looking for something you to fix her in some way, and come up and interact with your lustful nature and actually start, you know, speaking to it. You know, the whole chapter we talk about the seductress in another book called Sex Men and God, and she touches you, she speaks highly of you, she engages you, she tells you you're wonderful. The seductress has a known path, and it's in either seven, six, seven, or eight proverbs. Yep, yep, and yep. And so once you know who she is, like if some woman starts telling me I'm so wonderful, I know I'm in the wrong room. Get out of the room, Potiphar. Get out of the room. <laughs> no, that's true. I mean, I tell people all the time we have to build guardrails because it takes a bad day at home and you go to the office and your secretary says, well, if I was like that, I would never. That's why my secretary is a middle-aged man. <laughs> Well, not a secretary, but I mean, it's Dale is my right hand guy because I'm I I don't want to put myself in that situation. You said that we are lustful by nature, and uh, as when I think about that phrase, I think of this, and I have a question about this, Doug. We are, and and I love how extreme your book is. I, I really do appreciate that. We are lustful by nature, and we are visual by nature. And in your book, you talked about I love the phrase rubbernecking. Mm-hmm. You know, talk about rubbernecking. And so how does, how, what would you say to men who are visual in nature? How do we interact with that visual nature and let's say a beautiful woman in a way that is healthy, let's say, sure. or, or well, you know. Sure. Well, it's the same thing of like, you know, I'm a car guy. So I like cars. I like trucks. I like vehicles. And I go, wow, that's a nice truck. But I don't go trying to feel it. I don't go sit in it. I don't, you know, I'm not trying to working you know there are beautiful women actually every woman is beautiful because she's in the image of god yes yes in the image of god and paul says treat all women like sisters so if you can put them in a relational context you go okay she's beautiful but she's someone's daughter she's someone's friend she's someone's mom you're going to be able to get out of lust lust is when you make her an object you start measuring her parts and proportions god hasn't called us to inspection he's called us to protection oh yes so if you're in inspection you're not in your calling. If you're in protection, you're in your calling. Does that make sense? Yes. And so we we know when you're when you're inspecting, you're in trouble because then then after inspection, it needs an evaluation. Well, is she worthy of my lust or not? Yeah, I think she is. Okay, let's go lust after her. Okay, but if you find yourself inspecting, you're already in trouble. That's kind uh, of the proof. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, know, you see a nice car. You go, hey, nice car. If you go walking around that thing, spending time with that thing, you're in serious trouble. So when you go from protection to inspection, you're moving into uh, what you call on page 85 sexual imprinting. Can you explain that? Well, I mean, a a lot of guys have engaged in pornography or self-behavior, and they've imprinted to certain images. So if they see anything that remotely looks like that image, it's going to bring a stimulus to the brain. 
right? And most of that has been pornography or women of some type or even just fantasy of women of some type. And if you see that type, you can actually get activated neurologically. And then you have to kind of calm yourself down. So wait a minute, that's just my trigger. You know, she's a person and bring it back to protector. If you bring it back to protector, you always win. Yeah. You know, and if you wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I am going to protect every woman in the real world and in my imagination. I command my mind, my will, and my spirit to protect every woman, every time, every instance, all day long. That's my heart's desire. Please help me fulfill that. You will then, now you're, you're active, okay? You know what your role is. Your role is protector. It is not inspector. If you wake up and you don't commit to protector, you could be, hey, I think I'm going to go, you know, take a walk and see what's out there and see what I think about what's out there. God doesn't want your opinion as an inspector. He's already approved them because he's given them life. Oh, man. Yeah, and you, you said in your book, if you wait until you are married to have sex, including not viewing pornography, you sexually bond and connect only to your wife. You will right. not crave others. You will crave only her. That's God's plan. And, and those guys who do it, that right, they report that. They're like, you know what? I can see a beautiful woman, but I don't have any like, <laughs> about it. You know, you guys who are over there, you know, doing the porn thing, you guys have, you know, gasoline in your tank. I don't have that. Yeah. And then neurological reinforcement. Well, and there's a longing that happens. I just, I've been married 27 years. This month, we just celebrated 27. And I find that my longing for my wife is greater than it's ever been. Oh, it gets worse. <laughs> Well, I asked her last night, I go, honey, does it bother you that I'm always after you and ch- telling you're beautiful? She goes, no, I like it. So, okay, I'm good. She's affirming yeah. it. But I think, yeah. so I might, the focus of my attraction is is here and not here. Right, which right, because that's neurological attaching. That's interesting. So I, I got to talk to you about something that ha- I had to laugh. Okay. And, and the most memorable part was the facing, which the most memorable object lesson was the which way am I facing my weapons towards. But but you have a chat on page one twenty. You said something so powerful and so good, and in our podcast we trigger. Uh, we talk to uh, mainly Christian guys around the country, and uh, let's talk about this uh, subject of ownership, specifically of my yeah, yeah, penis, yeah. my penis know, ownership. Again, so I know what you're talking so about. talk that, to me about that. That's, that's a Dr. Weiss uh, classic right there. Okay? <laughs> I love it. We do that in front of thousands of men at a time. Sometimes, like, oh my gosh. I don't own it. Hey, I have a what, question. You say those three owners to your penis, they get they get anxiety. Like, well, who are the other two? Right. I, I wrote and a question. So, I got to tell you this. I got. I, I wrote it in the book. I go. I hope I can keep my balls. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, just let me keep those, and she can have the rest. <laughs> go ahead and explain. So, so basically, from a scriptural perspective, your sexuality has three owners. Romans Romans twelve one and two talk about our body being living sacrifices. So, the first owner of our penis is God. And so if you want to do anything with your penis, you have to ask God or ask your pastor if you don't have a direct line to God. Okay. And calling your pastor and asking permission will stop 99% of your activity. Okay. Right yeah. there. But see, most Christian men are not under sexual authority at all because they think they own it. Number two, the second owner is uh, 1 Corinthians, I want to say either 6.18 or 7.4, where it talks about um, that the man's body does not belong to him alone, but to his wife. So when you get married, there's a title transfer of your penis to your wife. <laughs> okay, she owns that thing. You don't own it. And you stood before God and everybody says, you own it. Okay, and that's why women get really upset when they find this stuff out. Because like, wait a minute, I was supposed to own that. That's mine. What are you doing driving my car for 20 years? That's ridiculous. Are you yeah. crazy? They get really upset because they intuitively know I'm supposed to own that. Okay, and it's a sole proprietorship. There's, you don't have a say in that. 
So then you'd have to call your wife and say, honey, I'm thinking about looking at porn before you do it if you were under spiritual authority. Well, if you call your pastor and you call your wife and you get permission for both of them, okay, but probably not going to happen. Yeah, for sure. Even then, it wouldn't be okay. The third owner is you, and you got bathroom rights only. So you're not the, <laughs> you're not the CEO. You're the janitor. <laughs> and if you're not over a toilet, you're in the wrong room. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's not. It's like, okay, God, wife, me, pee. That's it. You're the four words have set thousands of men free. And honestly, I, when I interact with men, it seems to be they need to protect and guard themselves the most men I work with and talk to aren't addicts, but they're on their way to it if they don't curtail yeah. their behavior. Yeah. And actually, in your book, you have a, a test in the back of the book about how do you know you're an addict or not, what I thought was very helpful and very good. But you you you, you uncovered, um, back to what you said about the ownership and calling your pastor and putting yourself under authority, in the book, you talked about a real lie in the church that we just have to address. Will you talk to us about Don't Ask, Don't Tell? Yeah, don't ask, don't tell. Most of us are familiar with that term, a military term, where you don't ask their sexual orientation or stuff like that. You know, we won't ask you, you don't tell us, everybody's good. Well, that's the, the policy in the church, is we won't ask you about your sexuality, and you don't tell us, and we'll just pretend everything's okay, while we're losing hundreds of thousands of guys on a regular basis leaving the church because of sexual sin, because we don't have uh, spiritual leadership that wants to engage in that conversation, and we don't have men who really are initiating a conversation with their pastor. Now, I'm not a church jumper. I mean, I've been in my church now for five or six years. It was in the last church for like 13 years. And then the pastor fell and there was, you know, it was kind of not deal. But the um, when I switch to church, I go to the pastor and say, listen, you're my spiritual authority. So if I, if I think about masturbation or doing pornography seriously, I'm going to call you first before I do it. Are you okay with that? And every one of them like, What? I go, no, 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 I'm operating under spiritual authority. Because if I want to be blessed spiritually, I have to be under authority spiritually. So I will not do these things unless I ask you permission because you own that part of my life. Unless you, you know, I have to get, and they're like, can I call you too? I go, absolutely. <laughs> you know, sure. Okay. But see, we're not having that dialogue in the church where it's like it's expected to be accountable sexually to your spiritual leaders. Now, in, in revival of movements that have been profoundly world-changing, there was always accountability groups as a substructure of the revival. And that's what I'm up to. Clean groups, freedom groups, get guys in groups, get them accountable, get them talking to one another. I had 4,000 guys in, in uh, Juarez, Mexico. Just having them ask each other those questions, they broke down, they were crying, and they repented. It was amazing. So... This can be done with a total stranger. It doesn't, you know, but you should do it with your spiritual authority, your, your cell group leader, someone like that who knows you. Well, and you talk about in your book in the early days of your sexual addiction, just crying out to God to help you and confessing. And I think the Catholics can teach us something because the Catholics Absolutely. confess to a priest. Yeah. And I think in the Protestant, evangelical Protestant movement, we have to, man, we, we've got a problem with confessing. And you talk about yeah. this in the book, confessing to Jesus versus confession to each other. Can you explain to us how you finally found freedom through confession and forgiveness and what that looked like yeah. in your life? Well, I'll tell you, the Lord tells me what to do first and then gives me the scripture later. So he, he told me while I was in seminary, you know, if you masturbate, I want you to tell your roommate. I'm like, Jesus, that's like serious. Are you serious? <laughs> he goes, yeah, if you do that, I want you to tell your roommate. I'm like, okay. So I did, and then I did it a second time, and by the third time, I was pretty much getting cured because the pain of that humility was greater than the pleasure. 
Okay. Yeah. And I started to get free. And then later God showed me James 5.16. If that's conditional, you confess your faults one to another, you can be healed. But it also in reverse is if you do not confess your faults one to another, you're guaranteed to stay sick. So I think you're right. Uh, as evangelicals, we moved away. We reacted to confession in a negative way. But it really is the strength of personal revival. It is the strength of sexual purity. And you can talk to Jesus all you want, but healing's in the body of Christ. And if you want healing, you have to confess to the body of Christ. So, okay, I agree 100%, and I have men in my life I do that with. What about the guy who says, and I, I, we just read a book. We had Matt Lore on the, Lair on the comp, uh, our podcast who writes on accountability, and he's out of Minnesota. What would you say to the guy who says, I'm going to confess, you know, my wife owns, she's second part owner in my penis. I'm just going to tell my wife whenever I masturbate. What, how, well, what would you warn say, against that? I would say that's second best and half done. Okay. The first owner is God. Yes. Okay. Not your wife. Okay. So get accountable to a man because men make men. Women don't make men. And every man knows that. Every man knows if he goes to his wife, it's going to be, oh, honey, I'm sorry. Let me pray for you. Well, you do that two or three times to a guy, he's going to say, what's your problem? Like, what are you not figuring out? Yeah. He's going to ask you questions. He's going to hold you accountable. He's going to give you things to do. Like, seriously, men make men. And when you understand that, I would say this guy would say, you know what? You're kind of um, taking the easy way out. So set consequences and get a man in your life. Because you put a man in between you and that sin, it'll stop. So you found healing through your roommate, essentially. Yeah. And then I was accountable to my wife, too. I told her when we got married. This was like a year or two later. And after two or three times that, I stopped totally. I've been free for over 33 years. But but I would have accountability. I still have accountability. I've been clean for over 33 years, okay? And I still have an accountability partner, okay? And, and I've got four degrees on my wall, 50 books on my shelf that I've written. I need accountability because that is the process of staying clean. Because someone can send me an email or, or think that I'm attractive or think I'm going to solve their problem and, and want to exchange that in some kind of sexual commerce. Women do that all the time. I am free because if something happens like that, I call Bill, I call my wife, and I say, hey, this is what happened. I didn't, didn't participate, didn't engage, and I'm free. It doesn't stay in my brain anymore. Well, my kids, my, I have three sons, 25, 23, and 21, and they say, well, Dad, why do you have covenant eyes? Because covenant eyes slows your browser down or something. I don't know. And I can't open certain things. Why do you have that? Are you a sex addict? I, and here's what I say. No, but I know what I'm capable of. Sure. Well, it's just smart. You don't walk into a porn store. Yeah. Okay. And if you put a porn store on your phone, it's just not smart. And then the guys at covenant eyes, they're the best. They're the best. Ron and that whole team are the best. I, I We have a... A thing on our website, download download Covenant Eyes, because seriously, it's the best protection out there. Agreed. And it's getting better and smarter, and you know, it's really good to have that. My wife and Dale here are my accountability partners, and they actually now will, uh, on my Facebook feed, if there's a ribbon that is on the Facebook feed that's not appropriate, even though I'm just mm -hmm. scrolling, that'll show up. And every, they will put, they will, I, I got your report the other day, Dale, and had screenshots on there. You're okay. But even it takes a picture of the screens you're on. I mean, I'm telling you what, Doug, these guys, they've got it figured yeah. out. They, they love us and they were trying to protect us. I know Ron personally, he has been a, a, a real believer in this movement of sexual recovery from the very beginning. He has spent tons of his own money helping to refine this technology. He is a giant in this battle. 
Yeah. So I absolutely endorse them. And it is a battle, and it's it's more than a battle. There, you know, we in war we live by these Geneva this Geneva Code, and this is a dirty war. It's a dirty, a dirty war, war with a horrible enemy. And I'll tell you what the thing about I'm a I'm a hunter, and what I have found is the more patient I am, the better I am at killing. Mm-hmm. And what men need to realize yeah. is that we have a very patient predator. He'll wait till you're 65 years old, getting yeah. ready to retire from your ministry, and he will and call you out and blow it up right there. He will wait as long as it takes. And I'll be honest with you, that scares the hell out of me. That, that... For sure, but there's also more damage sometimes. You know, we look at some of these key pastoral leaders or spiritual leaders who, in their very prime, you know, 10,000-member church or a big ministry or they got on TV or whatever, they get hit. Because the impact, the enemy, the enemy's not really looking for just uh, one impact. He wants to impact thousands and millions of people. So he'll let you grow. If you're consistently growing lust, he doesn't need a demon. He doesn't even need to assign a demon to you because your destruction's guaranteed. All he has to do is expose it at fruit level mm. or at the sin level. And so he can wait. Yeah, I'll wait 20 years on that guy and I'll come back because why visit him? He's on self-destruction. He doesn't need my help. I'll come back in 20 years, check on him. Yep, sure enough, he's got a girlfriend. He's got something going on. I can expose it. The devil can spend 30 seconds on a guy who's been lusting for 25 years. He doesn't need any demonic attack whatsoever. Yeah. It's self-destruct. Yeah, just watch him face his family with the weapons and just keeps hurting them. And that's just really good, man. Well, hey, uh, I know we're short on time today for our interview. So I just want to – so what, give me some parting wisdom for the guys listening to our podcast. Well, they can go to drdougweiss.com slash class and watch five hours of clean, absolutely free. Of course, they can go buy the book. There's lots of books on my website and stuff like that. But there's help. There's a free app, Dr. Doug's Tips, Marriage Tips, Clean Tips, and For the Spouse Tips. It's absolutely free. Okay? Uh, we're here to help if they want telephone counseling or intensives or help with that. That's all fine. But there's hope. That's the most important message. It doesn't matter what your sin is. The cross is stronger. But you are going to have to have a team. You are going to have intelligent evaluation and help and get you out of that mess. But then you can stay out for decades and decades and decades and actually help other people get out, which is even more fun. That's actually why it gets me up in the morning. I love seeing guys get free. Man, that's so good. Hey, sure appreciate you taking your time to be with us today and for being one of the men in the ring yourself. God bless you, man. Have a great day, Doug. Bye-bye. Guys, what's next? What action step will you take because of what you've heard today? What will you do because of what you've heard on this podcast? We need to get our boots on the ground. Here it is. Very, very simple. If you have not done this, you heard what Doug said. You have a porn store on your phone, on your laptop, and on your iPad. You need to take care of that and protect that stuff. Go to our app, Men in the Arena, or our website, and download Covenant Eyes on all your devices. It'll be the best 12 to 15 bucks a month you've spent on your entire life. Make your wife an accountability partner and somebody else that you're afraid of. (laughs) You will not regret this, guys. We'll also post this boots on the ground action item in our weekly equipping blast that you can subscribe to when you go to meninarena.org and give us your email. We'll give you a free PDF uh, or free electronic version, sorry, of our uh, bathroom book for men. And we'll add you to our equipping blast that goes out every week for men all around the world. Did you know, guys, that Men in the Arena is a crowdfunded organization? 
We, because of a large group of generous donors, were able to freely offer this podcast weekly equipping blast and discussion forums. We also freely offer our small group resources to missionaries, men in the military, and men in underdeveloped nations. You can't beat that. You can find out more about how to support this great movement at meninthearena.org. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. Get covenant eyes on all your devices. And be a man. Men in the arena. If you hunger to be your best version, join us along with thousands of men from around the world. Check out our Men in the Arena forums. You can join on Facebook or on our website at meninthearena.org. While you're on our website, remember to pick up your free electronic version of Jim's Bathroom Book for Men, The Field Guide. It's a daily study of manly words with epic stories in the Bible. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.